0: Hey everyone, welcome back to On Campus with Ms. T. I am your
1: host, Ms. T. And I'm your co-host, David. And today we are here talking to Marisol again. Welcome back to the show, Marisol. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being with us again today. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to start off <laughs> by reminding us who you are and what you do?
0: Uh, Sure. Well, my name is Marisol. I am your sister, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, your older sister. I um, am a teacher. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in English from Cal State University, Northridge. I have a master's in teaching from the University of Southern California. I have my California teaching credentials in single subject um, English for secondary uh, school. Um, I have been teaching in Asia for nearly a decade (laughs) i -hmm. moved out here in 2010 i taught in south korea for almost five years and i am now living in uh, hong kong so i've been here for for three years now um so not quite a decade but (laughs) it's crazy it's been so long
1: yeah it's a long time yeah oh and i've also
0: taught in in california of course
1: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um and since we last talked with you how have things been the same or been different with the pandemic over in hong kong
0: oh my goodness well it's it's a bit (laughs) it's a bit sad here um it's not too bad um and by it's not too bad i mean comparatively because i think uh, i think the thing is i just keep comparing everything to how things have been in the u.s because that's my point of reference Mm -hmm. um we we were doing really well the last time that we spoke. We were having no no local cases. There were a few imported cases of of coronavirus. Um, but those people, so those were people that were coming in to to Hong Kong. They were flying in or whatever. And the thing is that they were being stopped at the at the airport, actually at the World Expo Center. Um, on the island where the where the airport is Mm -hmm. so they would they would leave the airport and go directly to that expo center and they would be tested automatically for covid um and they would get the results right away um and if they had covid then they were sent to a hospital and quarantine and and all of that um if they were negative they were still ordered to quarantine for 14 days no matter what because it it was possible that they could have um, contracted COVID-19 on the flight um, or come across it on the flight and then yeah. they wouldn't develop any symptoms or anything like that until later on so they they were being very very careful about it or at least we all thought um, and it worked for a while we had reserved resumed school mm-hmm. um, but Things are not quite going the same anymore. Uh, we are now up to, uh, well, at, let's are see, the at the beginning open? of, no, oh, no, okay. absolutely not. When we last spoke, we were about to reopen the schools. I believe we spoke uh, towards the end of May mm-hmm. because the schools opened at the very end of May. Um, and at the beginning of July, we were we were up to something like twelve hundred cases total of COVID nineteen here in in Hong Kong, with something like seven deaths total.
1: Okay.
0: Um, we are now up to I'm looking at the the website right now, the official website for coronavirus here in Hong Kong, and we are up to two thousand two hundred and fifty cases of COVID nineteen. So we've jumped up a thousand. Okay. Um, so we've nearly doubled the cases since since no just since July. Oh. Since the very very beginning of July, since like July 1st basically. Okay. So this is just in less than a month we have nearly doubled the the cases of coronavirus in Hong Kong. And fortunately, I mean uh, not fortunately. I mean nobody should should have to die from this, but my point with this is um that fortunately the death rate hasn't been super super high. I don't know what it is that the hospitals here in Hong Kong are doing, but they're doing it well, because we have had, of course, a, a rise in deaths, but it's been a total of 15 people have died, which again is very, very unfortunate. Nobody should ever have to die from from this, but at least the rate is not incredibly high like they are in other countries like the U.S. Yeah. Um. So it's it's not it's it's a little comforting i guess Mm -hmm. to to see that that it's not as as bad death wise so yeah
1: yeah because that's kind of the scarier number is the death (laughs) death yeah number
0: yes Mm -hmm. and then
1: kind of going back to when the schools were open can you kind of walk us through i guess what it was like when they were open like were there special steps that, that you had to take um was there like procedures or policies that changed when you went back
0: yeah, so the reason why it took so long for schools in Hong Kong to reopen, so for those of you who didn't listen, or for those people who didn't listen to the first time that I was on your podcast, mm-hmm. schools closed down here in Hong Kong in late January, and they had closed down originally because of the Chinese New Year holiday, or the Lunar New Year holiday, depending on who's listening to But because of that Lunar New Year holiday, we were we had closed down anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was January 22nd was was the first day that the schools were closed. Okay. So I actually heard, I believe, about the first case of coronavirus. I believe it was like January 21st, <laughs> like the day before everything mm-hmm. shut down here, the school shut down. And we just kind of heard about it in passing about somebody in China being sick. And it wasn't really a big thing to us. Um, But a couple of days after the schools had closed, they found out that there was a man here in Hong Kong who had come down with the virus, who was traveling in from mainland China. Mm-hmm. And again, I re- will refer to, to China as mainland and Hong Kong as Hong Kong because of the, um, the political situation. Yeah. Hong Kong is, is uh, a, a special administrative region of China. So anyway, the schools were already closed down. And when this happened, then they just decided to keep the schools closed. Hmm. Um, so... When this happened, when we were supposed to return to school originally was at the beginning of February, we just decided to keep the, the schools closed and we remained closed until the, the end of May. And the reason for that was because they wanted to make sure A, that, that the rate of infections was basically at zero for something like a month at least. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want to risk there being any people who were still potentially contagious to make any of this worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second reason is because they they needed to put in a plan in place for how to bring the kids into the school They mm-hmm. again they didn't want to risk anything because Hong Kong has a history with um, pandemics they had uh, an issue with COVID-19 or COVID I should say coronavirus an issue with coronavirus SARS coronavirus back in 2002 and 2003 mm-hmm. so when they finally reopened there were so many steps so many things that we had to do Um, first of all it was only the secondary schools that opened up at the beginning for like the first two or three weeks it was only the secondary schools. so basically middle school and high school students were the ones that were able to return the primary primary school students stayed home for another two or three weeks um and even at the secondary level Um, the younger students still stayed home for another two or three weeks. So basically, the equivalent of the seventh and eighth graders did not return to school until three weeks after the older kids did. Um, And then after that, I believe the primary school still remained closed for like another two weeks and they returned. Um, I'm not too sure about that one. Because I don't teach at a primary school, yeah. <laughs> but they definitely stayed home for longer than the secondary school students did. So that was the first thing. Um, the other thing, another thing that they did is that we kind of stacked. We staggered the, the way in which kids entered school. So the the older students came in at an earlier time. And the younger students came in about 30 minutes after they did. Oh, okay. So they were all uh, 15, 15 or 30 minutes, I can't remember exactly because I was never really um, in charge of that. But it was like 15 or 30 minutes. Yeah, it was definitely 30 minutes after the, the older kids came in, then the younger kids came in. Um, so they did this so that there wouldn't be such a crowd of kids coming in all at the same time through the front gates. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why this was important is because as the kids were coming in, um, the teachers and administrators were standing and, and the school staff, the TAs, a lot of the people were standing outside in their masks. Every Everybody was required to wear masks. That's not even a question. You're not even allowed to question it. Either you wear the mask or you don't come to school, period. Mm-hmm. There's no ifs and or buts, No no complaining about your rights or anything like that, no. If you come to school, you're wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all these people are standing in the front. Number one, to check to make sure that everybody's wearing their mask. Number two, as soon as they they walk in, they have to bring in this paper with them because they're they were um, they have to sign a declaration <laughs> saying that they're not sick or that they're not feeling oh. sick, right? That they have no symptoms or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. So they had this paper where they had to write, it was almost like, a, it was like a daily log. Right? So every day at, uh, at the entrance, they had to, you know, sign the daily log saying, I don't have any of these symptoms. Cool. Right. And so the, the TAs or administrators would check to make sure that they signed for that day and mm-hmm. they would move them on to the next part, which was a group of lines. So there were, there were lines um, with yellow tape, um, very clearly marked on the pavement outside. Mm-hmm. and at the end of the line or at the head of the line if you if you will, there were teachers with those um, thermometers that you point at people's foreheads to mm-hmm. take their temperature. And so I did get to to be the person up there a couple of times <laughs> um, checking everybody's temperature because they put, had all of us on rotation. Yeah, so as I said they would walk into the through the gate, the the TAs would check their logs. Okay, send them to the line. We would take their temperature. They would walk in. If their temperature was was fine, then they would just walk in. And then there was another teacher or administrator standing there with a big bottle of hand sanitizer. And they would all get a squirt of hand sanitizer. They would rub it into their hands, and they would um, proceed into the school. Right. If, they, if their temperature was at all abnormal, then they were sent to, a, to a, a different area where they had to sit down for a while because it was possible that maybe they ran to school or whatever it was, oh, and so their okay. temperature had, had risen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after a few minutes, they would take the temperature again. And if the temperature was still high, then they were sent to the hospital. <laughs> oh. They're like, your temperature's high. You're not supposed to be here. We don't know what's wrong with you. You could have COVID. We're sending you to the hospital. I don't think that they, they ever had to send anyone to the hospital because nobody ever came in with a high temperature because everybody was very, very aware of the situation and everybody mm-hmm. was very, very responsible. So credit to everybody at the school because people were just they, they were very responsible about it. Um, another thing that they did is when they would come into the into the classrooms, um, the, most of the furniture in the classroom... Well, the, the, the classrooms don't have furniture, but they did have these lockers on the edges of the, of, of the classrooms, like against the walls. Mm-hmm. So they took them out to make more room for the students. Oh, okay. Uh, for the desks. So they could be... So they, they out. spaced out... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they spaced out the desks as much as possible. Which was, it was impossible to keep them six feet apart because the classrooms are just not that large. Mm-hmm. But they spread them out as much as possible. Um, and the students were not allowed to really leave the classroom very much. Um, they had to keep their masks on. They had to keep antibacterial with them. They couldn't drink water in the classroom at all because in order to drink water, you have to take off your mask. So they said, absolutely oh. not. You may not drink water inside the classroom. If you are thirsty, you raise your hand. The teacher will allow you to step outside so that you can drink your water and then come back in. Hmm. Um, so that was another thing. Another thing that we had to do is we had to be really careful about passing out any sort of um, materials. Right. Usually... Uh, because there's so many kids in the classroom, what teachers do, and what I used to do also, is that I would just take a stack of papers, right? I, I would say, okay, there's seven kids in this row. Okay, here's a stack of seven to the person at the very front. Take yeah. one, pass the rest back, right? We all, we all do that for the sake of expediency. Um, because of this, we didn't want the kids touching the papers and then passing them along to everybody else. So we had to literally walk around the entire classroom and hand the papers to every individual student. We had to take a pump of, of antibacterial, which we kept on every in every classroom, a giant bottle of antibacterial. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to take some antibacterial, rub it in, make sure that it was that our hands were dry, and then pick up the t- stack of papers and hand every single uh, paper, or uh, worksheet, whatever it was, to each individual student. And it was the same thing when it when it came to collecting the papers. Mm-hmm. at the end of the of the class. So, there were I mean there were a lot of a lot of steps and procedures in the lunchroom for the teachers. Um we usually have these big tables where the teachers just gather and we eat our lunch and we talk and we laugh and whatever, right? But because of this, they had to put partitions um in the middle of the tables like for individual spaces, like little cubbies. Yeah. So, we're not able to really socialize Anymore, we had to just kind of sit there by ourselves and kind of talk to the walls. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the same in the, in the in the lunch area downstairs for the for the kids. Like if the kids wanted to sit down and eat lunch, then they had to. Um, at least for them, the partitions were made of plexiglass, so they could still see each other through the plexiglass. Oh, yours um, weren't. No, the the partitions <laughs> in the teachers' room they were just they were just basically um, not cardboard, um, like particle board. Oh. <laughs> I was they were like particle particles. No, no, no. They were, they were, they didn't make it as nice for the teachers. They were just like, "Look, it's functional. Yeah. You'll, you'll be fine. Just deal with it." For the, for the students, they tried to make it a little nicer, just because they know that they're kids, and you know, they, they need that. I mean, we all need the social, the social interaction. But I think it's the bigger concern was for the kids, of course, as it always should be. Mm-hmm. The kids should be the, the biggest concern but of course we need we need to make sure that, that the teachers were, were safe also because teachers are important also their families are important and then of course if the teachers get sick then they pass it along to to everybody else too so yeah i mean there were a lot of a lot so of things that that we had to do
1: with all of that stuff like how how do i phrase this how i guess like kind of realistic was it i guess like how like, did it actually function? Like, was the classroom still running as well as it would normally run? Or was it kind of like way less efficient, like everything took longer? Or it was like you couldn't get through whatever you needed to get through in that day? Or I don't know, were there issues that kind of came up with with all of these procedures?
0: Um, I think the biggest issue was when it came to the the actual functionality of it for for lessons mm-hmm. was that aside from staggering the the entrance and the exit of students because you know how I said that and that the kids came in uh in 30 minutes in a 30 minute difference. Right. So mm-hmm. the older kids came in at 8, 830 in the morning and then the younger kids came in at nine in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing at that at when they were leaving. So they left 30 minutes apart. OK. But aside from that, the school day was shortened. We were on basically a minimum day schedule for oh. the entirety of the time that we were there because they were trying to keep the kids at school for as little time as possible they were like look it's important to have them here we get it um but let's try to not have them here the entire day Mm -hmm. i think the difference the way the the difference also is that in hong kong they don't kids are a lot more independent like um a couple Yes, I went a couple of years ago. I went on a a school trip with the kids. It was a, I I chaperoned the trip to Thailand, right? And the kids, their parents didn't take them to the airport. They, they made their own way to the airport. And these kids were like 12 and 13 years old, some of them. Yeah. (laughs) So they made their own way. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh yeah. Cause I I asked them before I said, so um, tell your parents to make sure to, get you there on time they were like my parents i'm gonna get myself there and i know exactly how to get there i know which bus to take or i know how to get there on the the train the the mtr which is the the subway here or the the airport line or whatever i'm like oh okay Mm -hmm. i did not know that that that's how you were gonna do it so (laughs) my point my point with this is that the kids here are a lot more independent so if they tell the kids or if they tell the parents okay we're on a minimum day schedule they're coming into school during during the morning, but then they're leaving at twelve o'clock or at twelve thirty. The parents just say, Okay, and then that's it and then the kids get their get themselves home. They're like basically what we would call latchkey kids, right? They would they would get themselves home. They they would just stay home and if the parents were, were working, which most of them were not working away from home anyway, because most people were working from home at the time. Mm-hmm. Um but if the parents ha- had one of those jobs where they still had to be outside of the home then it was fine, it was not a big deal um, they were just like they take care of themselves, they're, they're fine hmm. I don't know how that works for the primary school kids, obviously if they're kindergartens, k- kindergartners they can't do that, but it wasn't really an issue for, for us um, but yeah, so they stayed um, they were only at school during the morning um, it it <sighs> because of the, the fact that it was a minimum day it didn't actually leave us with a lot of time for the lessons so yeah. we were only in the classroom for 30 minutes per lesson because we have eight periods per day yeah um and so we didn't really get much time to actually teach them because we would get there it still takes time to to set up the classroom because in hong kong teachers don't get their own classroom like in the U.S., right? The kids have the classroom, and then the teachers move around from classroom to classroom. So we mm-hmm. have to come into the classroom, set up, turn on the computer, pull up whatever it is that we need to pull up, oh, hand out all those papers, which is now taking That's forever because the of the fact... <laughs> yeah, that was basically half of the of the instruction time. The period, so we yeah. were only left with like 15 minutes to, to actually teach. That was huge hindrance for us yeah. because we had so much that we needed to cover in like a 15minute span of time um, and then of course Hong Kong is very very highly concerned with concerned with with exams and exam results mm-hmm. and so the kids were very very um, anxious uh, and so were the the teachers and administrators and the parents everybody was very anxious about these exams well um, we need to make sure... Bark. Sorry, I heard your, your dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so everybody was very anxious about those exams, so we had to try to make sure that we were teaching them as much as possible in this, in this very short amount of time. And it just didn't really work very well, I feel, for that. Yeah. Um, in in the sense that was it working to try to keep everybody healthy at the school? I think it was working. Um, the problem came from elsewhere. The problem came from, from another direction. It wasn't really the schools. It was, it was elsewhere. But for educational purposes, if we're talking about education, lesson time, mm-hmm. I don't think it was working very well because it just wasn't enough time. And there were too many too many things that we needed to get done um, for safety's sake that yeah. really ate away at all the time. So it just yeah. didn't, didn't really work very well.
1: And then how was it like for you? Like I know over here, a lot of, um, a lot of teachers or um, school employees are like really freaking out about having to go back and everyone's like, well, what about our families? What about like our safety? And how are we gonna be able to like um, make sure that everything gets done right? So how was your experience as a teacher, like from a teacher's perspective? doing everything Mm -hmm.
0: i think it was different for teachers here in hong kong than it is in the u.s for example because like i said earlier when we started when we started schools again or rather when we opened up the schools again here in hong kong we were at basically a zero infection rate Mm -hmm. here in hong kong or at least the the local cases like i said we had a few that were imported through flights or whatever but those people were quarantined Mm -hmm. away from from everybody else so it was really not affecting the rest of the population at all we had like nobody was was walking around with covid or at least not nobody that we could we could tell at the time Mm -hmm. um nobody was coming back with any positive results so it wasn't as nerve-wracking for us i was actually really excited to be going back to school Mm -hmm. I was so excited I was very happy because I honestly really 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 disliked the the online learning (laughs) um, situation nobody went into this happily because Mm -hmm. we had no time to to prepare for it yeah um and so I was really happy about it I wasn't worried Aside from that, even if, even if things were still a little iffy, personally, I wouldn't have been as scared in a sense because who am I infecting? I don't have any family here. Yeah. <laughs> and if I, if I know that things are, are iffy, then I just don't hang out with people. I live by myself. I'm, I don't have any kids here. I don't have a roommate, so I'm not worried about infecting anybody else. Um, but if, if. If things were still um, iffy, like I said, then I can understand how other teachers would have been very worried yeah. about um, getting their their family sick.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like how I've I've been reacting. Like, I feel bad for all of the people or all of the teachers or staff that you know are living with their parents, and you know they have yeah. their parents at home with like other medical conditions already or they have kids at home and they're scared of bringing it back to yeah. them or whatever. But for me, it's right. not really that it's scary because it's just me and David. So I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, I'm pretty sure we'd be fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so I have to bring this up because it, it's something that really hit me really hard at the beginning of this. Um, it really affected me very greatly and it's something that i didn't really think too much about at the time mm-hmm. because there was so much going on it wasn't until later that i realized just how much this this hit me so i have this this uh colleague this coworker, right mm-hmm. who has um older parents just like most of my coworkers. you know pretty much everybody has has older parents who, who are living here in hong kong mm-hmm. but he was panicking because he doesn't live right near his parents and this was at the height of the the toilet paper and bleach scarcity right mm-hmm. so there was no toilet paper there was no bleach there was no antibacterial there was none of that right because some people rushed down and bought all of it I mean they hoarded it like crazy mm-hmm. so he was panicking he was worried. He was like, what if I'm what if I'm sick and I need to go and take care of my parents? So if I go to to see my parents to take what they need, because they're very old and they can't do everything by themselves anymore. If I go over there and I get them sick, they could die. And that hit me really hard because just seeing the, like, I'm one of those people. You and you know this about me, Sandra. Mm-hmm. That I'm one of the, those people who really takes in other people's emotions, and it's not necessarily a good thing, most of the time mm-hmm. I think. But <laughs> I'm I'm one of those people that really just absorbs other people's emotions, and so it hit me really hard. And when he was panicking, I was panicking, you know. And I'm not even very close to this coworker. This is just someone who I see in the office. But I heard him um, panicking. And so I started running around like crazy, looking for antibacterial, looking for masks was another thing because there weren't any masks at the time The people had hoarded all of them. Um, There's usually plenty of masks everywhere, but they had been hoarding all of them. So I was running around all over the place over here, looking for masks, looking for antibacterial, looking for, for bleach looking for for toilet paper because I wanted to buy it so that I could give it to him and I and I did whatever I found I I gave it to him so I completely understand the people who are concerned about their families and I feel like this is something that that a lot of I I'm sorry but I feel like a lot of parents and a lot of business owners a lot of corporate are really not understanding that it's not just it's not just about the kids I mean of course the kids are super important Mm -hmm. we love them we cherish them they're the reason why we do this job if we didn't care about the kids we wouldn't be working them right Mm -hmm. I love children you love children that's why we're educators Mm -hmm. so they are important to us but They're not the only people who are important to us. They're not the only people that are important in our lives. We have this entire community of people around us, and that includes elderly parents, that includes children, that includes aunts, uncles, neighbors. And these people are all important. And when I saw my coworker panicking about his parents, about his parents potentially being getting sick from him because he was the one that had to take care of them. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't think a lot of people are really thinking about that. Yeah. I don't well, you know, it's kids don't get sick anyway. kids don't okay, but they carry the virus, yeah, and they can and we don't know <laughs> that they don't get sick. yeah, this is it's too early on yeah, in yeah, that too. you know, to to really say, with any sort of, um, with confidence. with any sort of confidence, assurance that, no, this is going to be fine. Kids are will be fine. How do you know that? You don't know that. You're not a scientist, and not even scientists know everything about this, mm-hmm. right? So, it to say, for people to say. Kids will be fine. They don't even get sick anymore. Okay, but they carry the virus and they get other people sick also. And we matter too. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We as teachers matter. Our family members matter. Our tías, our tíos, abuelita, abuelito, they all matter. And so it's extremely irresponsible, I feel. And it is extremely offensive and hurtful for people to say, suck it up, be the hero. Okay, well, now now we're heroes. (laughs) How about you pay me like a hero? (laughs) Now you're, yeah, if you really think I'm a hero, pay me like a hero, treat me with dignity and respect the way that a hero should be treated, and don't diminish the importance of my life and the lives of everybody who I hold dear so it's it's just it's very frustrating yep. to to, <laughs> to, to hear that sort of thing <laughs> teachers matter their family members matter it's it's not that's not even a question mm-hmm. that shouldn't be a question that shouldn't be up for debate
1: and then I like how people are like Okay, well, if you're scared, then just don't go to work. And it's like, okay, well, oh, they also need in. money, like, <laughs> yeah. And then it's not really a choice. Like you're not really giving them a choice because obviously they need to work to have money. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so if they fun. don't go to work, then who's going to teach the kids?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: and like they're it's just they're going around in circles, and it makes no sense. Um, I understand that people want to get the economy going. It is possible to to want to be safe and to also be worried about the economy. It's not like I'm only thinking about one thing. It's not like teachers are only thinking about one thing. We are capable of thinking about multiple things at the same time, that's why we're teachers. We're able to think um, and we're able to teach other people how to think for themselves. But that being said, it is not worth, I believe, in my opinion, my humble opinion as an educator, it's not worth the risk to people's lives to open up the economy back to how it was before yeah you know, mm-hmm. it's just not what is the point in making money if people are dead <laughs> you know who's yeah. going to enjoy that economy if they're dead the, the, you know there's it's like um you know kids who come into to school with with learning difficulties right okay The learning difficulty is that this child is dyslexic. Okay. That is not something that we can get around. The fact of the matter is that this child is dyslexic. How do we work with that?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. How do we work with that? Not how do we work around it? Because there's no working around it. There's no, oh, well, I know that you're dyslexic, but I need you to recite this Shakespeare poem right now, you know, when you don't have the tools yet to, to be able to do this, right, mm-hmm. to read this poem and recite it in front of everybody. You can't do that. It's just no getting around it. The fact of the matter is we're dealing with COVID-19 and there's no going around it. How do we work with that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Adapt to it. Uh, yes, how do we adapt to it for the time being? This is not going to be forever, hopefully. This is not going to be forever, but how do we adapt to it without getting people killed?
1: Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, like, I don't know, I feel like people are very innovative. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. if we just kind of stopped complaining and sat down and thought things through, I'm pretty sure that we could come up with a bunch of solutions for a lot of the problems that are coming up now.
0: Yeah. But, and I, I feel like we're in a position right now where we can make things better for the fall semester, for this coming new year, mm-hmm. uh, for this coming school year, um, because now we're in summer vacation, right? We're in this summer holiday, summer vacation, however you refer to it, depending on where you are. Um, but we're on summer break, and so we have this time to kind of, try to figure out how we're going to do this because when this first hit, none of us knew that this was coming and we didn't have time to, to figure it out. Now in the U.S., I know that the schools were closed for a few weeks before they reopened and started trying to teach kids. So at least the U S had that. We didn't get that. It was, we were, we were supposed to be back to school on February 4th. I think it was mm-hmm. from Chinese new year from that, that uh, lunar new year holiday. And we didn't open the schools, but they were like, "Okay, schools are not open, but you still need to start teaching right now." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 literally had no time. Zero time to prepare for anything. It was just like, "Okay, well, how are we going to do this Zoom?" That's how that's how the universities have been running in Hong Kong for other reasons for a few months. Okay, let's do this. And so we just we just jumped right into it. It, it was there was no time to prepare we just had to dive head, dive in head first mm-hmm. and figure it out along the way so I think we're in a position right now because we are on that summer break that we can try to to figure out how we're going to do this better yeah. next school year so hopefully we can do it better I really sincerely believe and hope that um, well I believe that that kids shouldn't go back to school this fall it's just not safe Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope that that the country will realize that that's that's where that's where we need to focus our our energy is how to how to work with the situation Mm -hmm. um, in a safe manner. Yeah. Right now,
1: though, they like the schools in your area have closed down again, right? Yes. Okay, why? Like, was there something that happened that made everything close down again? Like, did it like start to pick up again?
0: So, as I mentioned earlier, we're right back up. We're we're actually in a much worse situation than we, than we ever happened, oh. because from January all the way until the beginning of July, we had only a total of something like twelve hundred cases of COVID nineteen. Mm -hmm. total and a total of seven deaths exactly precisely seven people dead um in that entire time Mm -hmm. but just since the beginning of july up until now we are now up by a thousand so where we start we were at like 1200 now we're at 2250 cases
1: um
0: with 716 of those people are hospitalized at Mm -hmm. the moment and fifteen people are dead. So comparatively, like I said, if you if you compare it to other cities, other major cities, especially in the US, we're not doing so bad, but still it's it's a huge deal for Hong Kong. Yeah. So and the reason why that happened, I guess there were some loopholes. Um, when it came to like airline pilots and sailors and that sort of thing, people who were constantly coming in and out of the, out of the country for work, mm-hmm. right? Because they had to because they were in this, you know, the airline industry or the, the, the ferries that are coming in from other countries or boats, ships, whatever they're coming in from other countries, they were exempted from um, COVID-19 tes- testing and the quarantine. Um, and there w- it wasn't just them, it was from what I remember reading, it was like 33 different groups of people qualified oh. to not, yeah, that's a lot of people, yeah. which we didn't realize, um, qualified for, for, to, to not have to be tested for COVID-19 and to not have to quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go into my opinion <laughs> about all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to state the facts. That is what happened, and that seems to be what got this going again. It was, um, yeah, pe- not everybody was being held standard when it mm-hmm. came to testing and quarantining. And so it led to all of this. Were there any so, outbreaks, yeah, this- like,
1: actually in any schools?
0: Not that I can tell. There were, there were people... So there were people who became infected, who were um, working at schools or who, who were, of course, attending certain schools. But it doesn't seem to me that there was any actual spread within the schools okay. because because they were being so, so careful. Mm-hmm. So, OK, so I'm going to say it. There was there was one colleague of mine who came down with with COVID and um, and the thing is, we're so paranoid. <laughs> we're so paranoid and we're so observant. We're, so, we're being so careful about everything that as soon as this colleague um, felt any sort of symptoms, this person went to the hospital right away, got tested. Turned out that this person had coronavirus. Um, and the thing is, when, when they test you, you have to stay away from everybody, right? Mm -hmm. They tell you, you have to stay home. You quarantine yourself until you you get the results. If the results are negative, then you're good. If the results are positive, we'll be in contact with you because we're sending you to the hospital. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Um, And I know this because I've actually had the COVID-19 test three times already. (laughs) Because like I said, we're all very, very aware, very hyper aware, very paranoid, Um, but for good reason, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when this person realized that that this person um, was sick, they called the school and said, I can't come to school because of this, um, and so I am going to be hospitalized, okay. <laughs> so the school notified us, and I hit with the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and, and got tested I said yeah I don't know what's going on I don't know who this person is because they, they didn't tell us who it was yeah um originally they didn't tell us who it was originally they did have to tell us um but by the next day they did tell us because they needed to to make sure like if if you've been in close contact with this person then you definitely should be tested mm-hmm. um but I went to the hospital immediately anyway I said look I don't even know who this person is but I need to be tested because I don't know if I've been around this person. I don't know if I've had any conversations with the, this person. Test me right now. And they did. <laughs> they tested me and I got the results the next morning. Um, so it's, like I said, there have been people who, of course, have come down with the, the virus. But not actually like, But Yeah, they haven't, I haven't seen anything because they, there's a map. There's a map on the the website for for coronavirus in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and this map has all of these dots. I don't think I've sent you the link to this yet, um, mm-hmm. but um, this map shows all the dots. They're either green or they're red, and all of the red dots are, are active cases, um, or people who are who actually who have been diagnosed with coronavirus within the past 14 days. So they. They show where these people not only live, <laughs> so they tell you the the oh person's God. age. Yeah, they're they're very th- they're they're so good about it here. That's they don't creepy, tell you the person's though. name. <laughs> no, they don't tell you the person's name for for um, you know for privacy uh, purposes, right? Mm-hmm. But they they tell you the person's age. They tell you the person's sex. So male, female. And they tell you the building that the person lived in, right? There's a big red dot on that building on the map. Um, And then not only do they tell you where that person lived, they tell you every place that that person has been over the past 14 days. Mm -hmm. Right. So they start asking you a million questions, I guess. Where have you been? Where have you gone? Who have you been in contact with? Have you eaten at any restaurants? Have you gone to to any supermarkets? Have you gone to school? Have you gone to work? And so every single place that that person has been to is on the map as a big red dot. Um, and the schools do not seem to be there, at least not from what I've seen, um, because they haven't. Like as soon as as soon as they, they 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 suspect anything, like I'm not going into I'm not going into work. I'm just not doing it. I'm not going into school because there's too many kids too many people to potentially infect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, it doesn't seem to me that, that the schools have really been a, an issue. Even in, actually in, in the very northern parts of, of Hong Kong, there are some schools that there are students from Shenzhen, from this city just across the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are students who cross the border every day, kind of like from Tijuana to San Diego. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so there are students who cross the border every day to go to school in Hong Kong and even there if if I'm actually looking at the map right now there's one dot (laughs) there's only one dot one red dot up there Um, so only person one person has come down with with COVID up there so the problem is not is not there Mm -hmm. it's I really believe that the problem is with like the loopholes for the airline workers and uh, yeah the sailors and these other 33 groups of people who I'm not going to go into. But yeah.
1: So with all of that being said, and I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to this question, right? But Mm -hmm. with everything you've experienced, everything that you've seen and blah, 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 would you recommend that schools reopen and that teachers go back to work and parents send their kids back to like school in person like at the building and everything
0: i will not i won't i won't say give my opinion for everything in the world because i think that there are certain countries that are doing a much better job and there are certain countries that weren't really hit very hard by this at all mm-hmm. um but when speaking about the United, the United States, I absolutely do not believe that the school should be reopening. Not yet. It's not safe. It's just not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, education is important. But number one, what's the point of having so many educated people if you're not going to listen to them anyway? Yeah. When they're telling you <laughs> what they know based on what they've seen, what they're experiencing, what they are observing and what their logical, critical, thinking minds are, are concocting, mm-hmm. right? So number one, don't create a population of educated people if you don't want to listen to them anyway. Number mm-hmm. two, education is important, but um, if you die, then all that education is gone to waste. Mm-hmm. Um, number three... Um, no, <laughs> it's just not safe. <laughs> it's just not safe. It just isn't not yet. Hopefully, it will be soon. I heard that there that um, Pfizer um, is finally putting forth a vaccine. I don't know how much that's going to cost for people. I'm a little afraid to figure to 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 find out. But I've heard that Pfizer is finally putting forth a vaccine. Um, and that should be available around December. Um, if that vaccine is made widely available to everyone, which I believe it should be, I don't think that they should be charging an arm and a leg for it as usually is the case for anything that's, you know, any sort of medication that's really important. Mm -hmm. But if that is made widely available to everyone as it should be, and everybody gets the vaccine um, and the, the population is widely immune to it because of the va- vaccine, then at that point, the school should should be able to to resume physical classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I feel about t- being a part of the group uh, <laughs> who takes that vaccine at the very beginning. I don't know how, I mean, I'm not there anyway, but uh, like, I don't know how I feel about you guys being in that test group, <laughs> mm-hmm. basically. But... My point is, if there's a vaccine and people are, are are safe being out there, then then yes, reopen the schools. But right now, no.
1: No. And also, I guess, doesn't really seem very practical, right? Since all of these changes, policies, and procedures for safety would be taking forever <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and would make yeah. it really hard to manage
0: the classroom. Exactly. Exactly. It's just so much time wasted and not wasted i mean obviously it's important it's important it's important it's not to keep everybody <laughs> yeah yeah but that's exactly it it's not time that is being spent on actual education aside from that if you have all these rules about keeping everybody 6 feet apart you can't keep kids 6 feet apart man it just doesn't work it's like not that possible. kids are not- <laughs> kids are impulsive kids are messy kids are i love them to death but they are They're Mm -hmm. impulsive and they're messy and they're not good at following rules most of the time. You know, they're just it's not going to work with the younger ones, especially Mm -hmm. with the older kids or in in societies where kids are told this is what you must do. And so you do it and then they do it. Then maybe. Right. Hong Kong was much better, much better about this than I believe the U.S. would be because in the U.S., We're having a hard time even recognizing that masks are important, yeah, um, and that they should be wearing them for the for the safety of other people. So Mm -hmm. I doubt that it's going to go as well. um, That's going to go over as well in the US as it it has gone in in Hong Kong. Um, Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I I really don't believe this should be. They should be reopening for the fall.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat, I guess. Like I said, for me, I guess I don't really care. But like for everyone yeah. else who has actual like other family members living with them and maybe has their own health conditions and would be put in a position where they have to choose between their health and their livelihood, like that would really suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah that's, yeah, that's all the questions that I had for you. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to say before we wrap it up?
0: Just please realize that that society doesn't function unless we're all doing our part. Unless we're all doing our part to keep it running. And in this case, what needs what we need to be doing to keep it running is not jumping right back into sending the kids to school no matter what, or sending everybody back to work no matter what. It's Preservation right now we're in a situation where preservation is the most important thing, right? Mm -hmm. Preservation of life. If you're a person who really says that lives are important and every life is important, then, you know, prove it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Take into consideration all the people around you. Don't do anything that's going to put lives at risk. Please wear your masks. Please wash your hands and use the antibacterial. And please stop pushing for schools to, to reopen too soon. It's just too soon. It's not safe. Please be considerate. That's that's my main my main message.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Marisol. And I hope that things turn around and get better in Hong Kong.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I hope so too. <laughs> I hope things get better everywhere. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. It was nice talking to
0: you. It was nice talking to you, too. Thank you for bringing me onto the show again. Of course. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye -bye. (laughs)
1: Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our podcast. Hopefully that information was helpful to those of you listening. If you would like any more information about our podcast, you can find us on social media. We have a Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, um, Instagram, and TikTok. All under the same name on campus with Miss T, MS.T. If you would like more information um, about Marisol and her experiences teaching in Hong Kong, you can find her on YouTube. Uh, her YouTube channel is Miss Tenna Travels, MS.Tenna, T E N A, Travels. She will be uploading a video soon about her experiences being a Latina English teacher in Hong Kong. She also has an Instagram by the same name if you want to take a look at that. And yeah, thank you so much for listening and we hope you listen again next week.